Thanks to Rachel and her team for a great week of ministry. Awesome job. Thank you for those of you who served, made that possible. Uh, today, I'm privileged to co-teach this morning's message with my good friend, Dave Colkin. Some of you may remember Dave. He's taught here a couple times in the past. Uh, he's one of my dearest friends. First thing we did was co-teach a message together on embracing those with special needs, and Dave, in that message, shared what it was like to grow up with a learning disability and a speech impediment. Then we co-taught a message from Proverbs on friendship, had a good time with that, and so today we get to enjoy this message on the fruit of the Spirit, which is Peace. For those of you who don't know Dave, he is the lead or head custodian at Central School in Warren, New Jersey, where my kids went. He also attends Stonecrest Church, where he serves in the ministry there in a variety of capacities. He's been in their youth ministry. He served on their elder board. Uh, Dave is married to his wife, Kim, and they have two wonderful children, Lauren and Stephen. They were here in the first service to support Dave. Good to have them with us. We are always glad to welcome my good friend, Dave Culkin. So welcome, Dave. Thank, thank you so much. Am I on? I always have to make sure if I'm on. Thank you so much, Dave, for the wonderful opportunity. Yeah, we actually met at Central School when the two younger daughters went to Central, and Michaela, Michaela graduated from Central in fifth grade. Many of you know Michaela. She'll be a senior in, co- a senior in high school, not college. So, I mean, I've been at Warren Schools for um, going into my 20th year um, in September, and I'm really happy that is my, one of my mission field to work in the public education um, and to be the Ecuadorian. I have gift of service, so I feel that I can use my gifting, my spiritual gifting every day in the public environment. And many times I find myself praying for the staff and the kids. And they don't even know it, but I'm praying for them. So, I, I mean, and you, you know it's, it's very hard with all the shootings and violence. And you never know. You never know. So, I mean, it's, 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 God has me there. And God has so blessed me um, with that. But I also the gift of speaking, and I'm so happy that Dave continues to give me opportunity to speak and to proclaim a word and the gift of exhortation. I also ask, I want to exhort you, I want to encourage you, I want to build you guys up. And all that. So I hope that I can do that this morning. And as I was preparing for our method today on peace, I thought of Acts chapter 1. And, and where Acts chapter 1 says, it says in verse 4, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift of Father I promise, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the reason why I thought of that verse it, because I am reminded that the Spirit of God is the same today as it was when Jesus was teaching about the Holy Spirit 
to the early church. When the early church waited for the Holy Spirit, they were witnesses in their world. So in this study of the fruit of the Spirit, specifically that we talk about peace, God wants to produce the very same fruit in us so that we too can be witnesses in the places where we are, such as the place we live. I live in Greenbrook Township. I can be a witness in Greenbrook. I go to church in Warren or Stonecra, but I also, I'm also here today. I can be a witness in Warren, where I work, go to church, in Basking Ridge, where we are right now. I can be a witness in New Jersey, where I live as a state, and also the entire world. Do you get, do you get that connection? It's a very important connection because we have to believe that the mission of Jesus is the same as it was back then, and so is the Holy Spirit. So if you are one to take notes, some people are good note takers if you have a phone, Often I would take notes in my phone. Um, it's easier for me. But if you take paper notes or phone notes in your phone or even notes in your head, you can write it down. That I would suggest to you to wait for God's Spirit and the fruit of it so that you can make a difference in your world. Dave? I so appreciated that reminder that this is the fruit of the Spirit. We're dependent upon Him. We're waiting upon Him to produce this in our lives. By way of review in this series, we've talked about how this fruit imagery teaches us a few things. Like, for example, fruit is different than this world's idea of change. Fruit is natural. Fruit is, is organic. The nature of Christian change is different from this world's model of change. Uh, the world thinks about change in terms of hard work, like struggle, like white-knuckling it. Let's, let's, let's get this done. But you don't go into a vineyard or to an orchard or to a garden and see all the plants going, fruit, right? No, I mean, you don't see that. The fruit is natural. Fruit is organic. It just happens in and through this plant that God has created. And so this fruit is the Spirit's fruit that he wants to produce in and through, but not by us. The other thing that we've talked about in terms of the uh, series here is this imagery of fruit reminds us that this growth is gradual, it doesn't happen instantaneously. Uh, we're a culture that likes to have things when we want them. We want them right now. But Christian growth, because it's fruit, is more gradual than that. It's as gradual as a piece of fruit growing, as a tomato growing, as a cucumber growing. This growth is often small. Sometimes I don't notice it. Sometimes I don't see it. It's somewhat mysterious. It's gradual. But yet, it is real. As we talk about the fruit of the Spirit that's peace, I was reminded in my own life today that this has been very gradual for me. This is not an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that I'm just doing really well all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I struggle with this. And so as I was reminded about this imagery, I was thinking that this is still an area of growth for me, the fruit of the Spirit that is peace. How about you, Dave? Yeah. So not only is it, not only Christian growth gradual, but it's, it's also ongoing 
It never stops. Look at what Paul wrote in Philippians 3.12. It's in, not that I have already attained it or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. So in the message today, thank you, Adam. In the message today, I share with you, this is a message for me as it is for all who listen to my voice. And as we focus on peace, I feel like we're redundant, but as we focus on peace this morning, I know that I've struggled with peace even in my own life over the last few months. In fact, I have also been to a therapist. I've been seeing a therapist to help me sort out some of this stuff I really help with. And my efforts in therapy and, and prayer and reading scripture and, and listening to music and, and good Bible teaching is all helping me to grow into the person that God is calling me to be. It's ongoing. And if I live to be as old as my great-grandmother at 108, I will still be maturing to that ripe old age of 108. I don't know if I will, but anyway. Um, so, but scripture is filled with principles and how we should all be living our lives that require effort. But Christian growth is not just leaning back and letting God. Well, I'm not trusting God that he can perform a good work in me, even though that's true. But we need to put the effort. But specifically in our discussion today, we are zeroing on the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of Dave or the fruit of whatever your name may be. So, in fact, when I was thinking, I know I'm doing work in practice. I don't have this all figured out. I don't have this all. I mean, I'm learning as much as you. So I even questioned when Dave approached me to like, would you like to teach on peace? I'm like, hmm. I even questioned if I should be up here talking because I haven't mastered it. I don't want you to think that, oh, I have all the right answers. I'm peaceful all the time, and this is what you have to do. I feel that I should be down here talking with you because I'm right along with you. I'm not elevated, but the reason I understand the purpose of a stage for video, if you're looking at YouTube and Facebook on me, hello. I love you guys. But anyway, and I understand for people in the back, if I was on the floor, I mean, it's easier to see people a little bit elevated. But just because we're elevated today doesn't mean we know more than you. We're the teaching and showing you. So uh, we brought some balloons today, and let me say that this balloon could represent your life. Your life is kind of like this balloon. We can try very hard to produce peace on our own. 
And we may be able to do a pretty good job for a while and keep the balloon all together and floating up around and all that. And I have seen in my own life that in my own strength, I can only hold it together for so long before I pop. Have you been there? Maybe you're even there right now. Your balloon has popped. And this is not what God designed for you and for me. I'd be coming from the Holy Spirit, so I would invite you to take a little journey, whether it be for 25 minutes, take a little journey as to what we could do to figure out how we can lean into the Spirit of God for peace. So our anchor passage for today is from, again, the book of Philippians. If you have a copy of God's Word, flop it open to Philippians chapter 4. That's going to be where we uh, gain most of our truths from this message this morning. And I would invite you to stand if you are in honor of, if you're able, in honor of God's Word as we read this passage for you. We'll read it and you can just uh, listen. So hear the Word of the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So in today's message, you're going to see three different parts. We're going to talk about peace, what it is, peace, what it's not, and peace, how do we find it? What it is, what it's not, how do we find it? Before we do that, let's pray together. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. It truly is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I pause right now to pray for my brothers and sisters who may be struggling with anxieties and worries and troubles today. Would you lead me to the rock that is higher than I? Bless our time in your word, we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everyone said, amen. Amen. As we start, let me tell you a true but familiar story. You probably know it. It's a familiar story about peace. The man's name was Horatio Spafford. He was an American lawyer. He lost everything in the great Chicago fire in the 1800s. It was devastating for his family. But what made things absolutely excruciating was when two years after that, he had sent his wife and his daughters over to Europe on a boat. And tragically, about halfway there in the Atlantic Ocean, along the way, that ship sank. His daughters died immediately. Uh, Amazingly, a rescue boat actually found his wife alive, floating on some debris, picked her up, put her on the saving vessel and brought her safely over to Europe. When she reached land, she was able to cable her husband with the technology that was available to her with these two words, saved alone. I cannot even really imagine. I I can't put my suction cups on this, this incident and really put myself in his shoes as to what he might be experiencing there. The loss of a child is just indescribable. But it was years later that this same gentleman had an amazing experience out in the same ocean, out in the Atlantic Ocean, out at sea. Uh, He got on a different boat, and when he got around that same spot, 
uh, the captain of the ship came to him and said, this is around the place where you had lost your family. And the, the bell on the ship began to toll. Da, da, da. And the Spirit of God rested upon him, and he picked up a pen and a piece of paper and wrote these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. My question is how did he do this? How did he find peace? I mean, it's easy to find peace when everything's calm. It's easy to find peace when everything's okay. But what about when it's not? What about when the storms of life really do come? That's what Philippians 4 is all about. Philippians 4 uses this term for peace. It's very interesting. It's the Greek word erene. It means to have an inner calm, to have a poise, to have a strength. This kind of peace is derived from a confidence and a trust in the wisdom of God and the sovereignty of God and the control of God over my life. This kind of peace has this sense of feeling protected. Dave, tell us a little bit more yeah. about that. And when I think of peace, I too think of stillness, calm, and being at rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight come to my mind. Many of you know the verses that come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I enjoyed so much listening to praise and worship music. I think that, uh, that one of the vehicles that God uses in my life to connect with me, you know, praise and worship music. I listen to Star 99.1, Caleb when I'm driving in the car, a couple months ago, I heard a song called, called Weary Travel by Jordan St. here. Probably some of you have heard it. I even heard it on the way to Millington this morning. It was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> what are the chances? But, but God. I mean, but here are the words they called Weary Traveler. Beat down from the storms you have weathered. Feel like it wrote me gone forever. Carry on. You keep on giving, but every day the world keeps on taking. You're tired and on the edge of breaking. Carry on. Weary traveler, runs it so you were never meant to walk this road alone. It will all be worth it. So just hold on. Weary traveler, you won't be weary long. No more searching. Heaven, can you find, find where all the hurt is? When Jesus calls, we'll lay down our heavy burdens. Carry on. Oh, I don't want to say oh when I preach, but singers say oh all the time. Um, <laughs> weary traveler. Right, it's all. You were never meant to walk this road alone. It will all be worth it. So just hold on. Sorry. Weary driver, you won't be weary long. No, you won't be weary long. And some people also repeat, repeat, repeat. I don't repeat, repeat, repeat when I preach or try not to. No, you won't be weary long. You won't be weary long, and then we're long. 
someday soon we're going to make it home. You see, true peace is not the absence of problems. The fruit of the Spirit that the Lord wants to impart to our lives today and every day is the idea of you being at peace no matter what may be going on around you. John 16 says it well. John 16, 33. I told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. In the world, you will have trouble. In the world, you will have more trouble. Trouble. You're a weary traveler. You're restless. You have no more fighting you. You're done. You're toast. If I have one more problem, I'm done. How many of you have been there? I've been there. You're empty. But put it the breath of the verse. The rest of the verse says, but take heart. I'm sorry. Um, and anyway, in the rest of the verse said, thank you, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, the rest of the verse said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, it doesn't end there. God God would be very insensitive if he said, oh, well, suck it up. You're going to have trouble. Suck it up. I hope you make it. <laughs> I'm so thankful for that word, but I have overcome the world. So you know what? Circle the word, not only with the word, but... But circle the word will, you will have trouble. Because sometimes you think that you're a follower of God, you're doing everything right, you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, why should I have the trouble? No, Jesus is saying you will have trouble. So circle that in your Bible, circle that in your Bible app, circle that in your mind, you will have trouble. But you know what? Don't stop there. But, Circle, but, but, there's an end to your trouble. Okay, my friend, this is a perspective that can bring you peace. Okay, so if you're taking notes, you can remember, don't lose perspective of the other side of the trouble you're going through. Yeah, you may be going through trouble now. I may be going through trouble now. But you know what? Don't forget there's another side of trouble. Trouble is there. There's another side you will get beyond it. Amen? In heaven, even if you have trouble till the day you die, when you get into heaven, trouble will be over, I promise you. And, and, and I can bank on that. So, Jesus is victorious. 
That's why we can have the perspective of peace. Jesus has overcome the world. Amen. That's a great hope. Just to camp out on that word trouble there for a second, the idea is uh, water being stirred up with commotion, like a storm is kind of brewing. It's a very similar word that's used in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says the word anxious in verse 6. Again, the idea is being distressed. It's like someone has taken away your peace. It's like you're worried. It's like you're, you're stirred up. You're fearful. Trouble has come your way, and the storm of life has hit you. And that's what happens. Or to use our fruit metaphor, worry and anxiety can be like a weed that kind of sucks out our peace and and takes away the good fruit that we want to have in our lives. And and it can pop our peace like like a balloon gets popped. It's just like, you know, thank you, Dave. Thank you, bro. I'm helping you out. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. So in all seriousness, where is your balloon popping today? Where is it in your life where you're experiencing this worry, this trouble, this anxiety? Is it worry about your finances or worry about your family, worry about your career, worry about a medical issue? Where is your anxiety taking you today? Whatever it is, I just want you to notice in verse 6 Paul's command here where he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, the word anything there really strikes me, and I go, how, Paul? How do I do that? How do I not be anxious about anything? I mean, how on earth is that possible? What's the magic potion? Well, let me tell you about what it's not. We've talked about what peace is, but let's talk about a different path to peace that some people take that's not necessarily the fruit of the Spirit, but it's a, a different pathway towards getting through the troubles of life. Peace, what it's not. Uh, There are some different strategies for maintaining some sense of peace. You can go to the next slide if you would, please. Thanks. And we've talked about how this fruit, every fruit has an opposite, and every fruit also has a counterfeit, and peace is no exception. And so there's this counterfeit of peace out there. Maybe you've met somebody like this. They, They seem to be like unshakable in life. Nothing really can really stir them up. They're, they're just, you know, just really solid. Uh, But what it is, it's a counterfeit that's called Stoicism. Now, this is a philosophy that's been around since Paul's day, and Stoicism is just simply defined as somebody who's indifferent towards pain or pleasure. It's somebody who represses all of their feelings. And back then, the Stoics were popular, and they said the secret to having peace is you can't set your heart on anything. You can't set your affections on anything in this world, anything outside of you, whether it's your family, whether it's your career, whatever you have. You're not in control of those things. You're not in control of any of those things. So don't ever give your heart to those things because if you do, when they change, then you will lose your peace. And so this was their method. This was their philosophy. This was their their way of getting peace. And what they said was, there's one thing you can give your heart to, and that is to your own virtue. Just give your heart to your own virtue, and then whatever comes your way, nothing will take your peace from you. And we see a version of this kind of stoicism today. On the surface, you meet people who seem to be okay, but the reality is what they've done is they've protected their heart. They've built walls around their heart so that they won't be hurt. I heard a song on the radio recently about this called Unstoppable by Sia. Maybe you've heard this on. It's a popular song in 2022. Some of the lyrics really speak to this issue. She sings, I put my armor on to show you how strong I am. I put my armor on, I'll show you that I'm unstoppable. She says, I'm a Porsche with no brakes. I'm invincible. I win every single game. I'm so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. I'm unstoppable today. And then she says, I put my armor on. 
I put my armor on to show you how strong I am. I put my armor on. I'll show you that I'm unstoppable. Leave my sunglasses on while I shed a tear. It's never the right time. I put my armor on. I put my armor on. I put my armor on. See, this is the 2022 Gen Z version of Stoicism. And I want you to be careful because this is a counterfeit of peace. The God who created your heart, the God who loves you and wants to give you good things from his hand, never says to be self-protective and build walls around yourself. Rather, the fruit of the Spirit is true peace. And remember, we said all of the fruit go together. If there's peace, but it's not also accompanied by love and kindness and gentleness, that's not true peace. That's a counterfeit peace. It was St. Augustine who took on the Stoics and said, you guys are right and wrong. On the one hand, you're right that if you give your heart to anything that can change, that can threaten your peace, then that's going to bring you problems. But the solution, Augustine said, is not to give your heart to your own virtue. That can change too. Augustine said, because of the doctrine of original sin, you can't even control your own virtue. You're not capable of that. And so you can't control that either. And so he said, on the one hand, the Stoics were right. On the other hand, the Stoics were wrong. And so what Augustine said is what you need to do is set your true affections on something that can never change. What you need to do is set your heart on something that can never change be taken from you. And here's the way he said it in a very succinct way. He said, God alone is the place of peace that cannot be disturbed. God alone is the place of peace that cannot be disturbed. I think this is what Paul found out in Philippians 4. I think this is the secret to being content in all circumstances. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I I always have Christ. He can never be taken from me. He is where my heart is. My affections are on him. And because I have him, I can truly have peace. And so this brings us to movement three. True peace. How do we find it? Dave? Yeah, true peace is beyond all human understanding. It is a gift from the Holy Spirit given to us at salvation. Let's take a look at, again, what we read early on, Philippians 4.6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but it Every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we experience anxiety, God will give us his peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. Think about that. Think about the power of a guard, such as a guard keeper to a piece of property. A guard job is to protect. A guard job is to provide safety. And this is what God promises us. When you bring your request to me, I will guard you with peace. I will guard you with safety. I will guard you. When you pass, even when you pass through the water, like it says in Isaiah, when you pass through the water, I will be with you. David said, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, will be there. Let that peace guard you. So for your no-taking friends, or if you're that friend, um, 
an action step here would be to just simply ask God for peace as a little kid would ask a mom or dad for something they need. We need peace. God is willing to give it to you, so why, why don't we ask more for it? As I was studying for this passage, I did a word study on that word for guard, and I found that it's a military term that was used when they would surround a city with the Roman soldiers for protection. If it was a Roman colony, if you lived inside of that city, the military would protect your city to protect the Pax Romana, to protect the peace of Rome. And everybody inside of that city could sleep in peace. Even though there was war maybe on the outside, they were guarded by these soldiers. Just like that, Paul says, I'm being guarded. I'm being protected. God has surrounded me even during this storm, even during this attack, even some of the most difficult circumstances you will ever face. I can still somehow know that I'm being guarded by God, and because of that, everything's okay. After all, he's sovereign. After all, he's in control. After all, he has a plan. Uh, Recently, like probably many of you, I've been looking at these pictures from the James Webb Telescope. How many of you have checked out some of these pictures online over the last couple weeks? Just unbelievably amazing shots. This, This telescope project has been 20 years in the making, and because it had a perfect launch, Uh, It still has 25 more years to go, so the best is yet to come here. Uh, But these pictures just astound me. This shot on the screen, for example, uh, the size of this photo relative to the rest of the universe is a grain of sand. Now, those, those blinking, flashing, twinkle, twinkle little stars on the screen, those are not stars. Those are full on galaxies. Our God created all of this through the word of his mouth. This is the one who's in control. This is our God who's totally sovereign. And I need to be reminded that he's up there and he has a plan. This helps me gain my peace. I was trying to think of a word picture to describe this about when I get anxiety, and here's what I've come up with. When I get anxiety, it's kind of like when I used to bring my kids on the lawnmower. When they were little, two, three, four years old, sometimes they would want to go sit on daddy's lap on the lawnmower for a few minutes. It was real fun for them. So they would sit there and they would hold the steering wheel and they would pretend like they were driving the lawnmower and they really felt like just for a few minutes that they were mowing the lawn, that this was, wow, this is so much fun. Look at me, I'm in control of this. I got the steering wheel, I'm mowing the lawn. Look at me. That's kind of like how I am when I think about my level of control over the whole universe. I'm sitting on God's lap, and sometimes he lets me grab the steering wheel and experience what it's like to kind of drive this, this vehicle through, the, through time and space, and I forget sometimes, I get anxious sometimes, and sometimes the world seems like it's out of control to me, but it's, it's not really out of control, it's just out of control to me. That doesn't necessarily mean it's out of control. There is still one who has the steering wheel. There's still one who's got a plan. There's still one who knows where this is going. So if we, friends, if we are willing to humble ourselves like a little child and, 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 and let go of our pride and thinking that we've really got this whole thing under control, if we would just acknowledge who we really are, we're that child on dad's lap. He's letting us grab the steering wheel sometimes. If we will just humble ourselves, then we could surrender control over to God. 
Uh, there's a really famous prayer that puts this into words very succinctly. You're probably familiar with the prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Most people know this prayer. It's famous. It was written by a theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr. Many people don't know the, the rest of the prayer that talks about the key of surrender in terms of getting our peace and surrendering, surrendering control over to God fully. So let me just read that whole prayer uh, for you today. The whole prayer goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And this is when he goes to talk, on, talk about the Lord Jesus. He says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as he did, the Lord, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Friends, the pathway to peace for me and for you is to surrender control to God. Dave? Yes. You see, the beta I tried to produce in my strength alone often comes up short of my desired peace level. If you think of a thermostat, you like want to adjust the thermostat, especially on a hot day like today, make sure the air conditioner is functioning, and I have a peace level in my, in my mind, in my heart, and I get frustrated when... I'm setting my peace dial, and it's not working. When this happens, just like when the air conditioner is not working on a 100-degree day, it leaves me with feelings of getting angry and frustrated. But then I realize that I'm not in as much control as I thought it was. I am still finding out that the peace that we can offer ourselves is only limited to the amount of control we have. Isn't that the truth? And oh man, this is a really hard lesson for me to learn on a daily basis. And I struggle and struggle, and struggle again to learn that I'm not in control as much as I think. I love songs, as I told you. Matthew West has a song called Strong Enough, and one line of it, I'm not going to say the old song. Um, let's spare you a little bit. But one line says uh, the Strong Enough song by Matthew West. I give up. I'm not strong enough. I give up. I'm not strong enough. This is the idea that Dave and I have been talking about is surrender. And many of us constantly don't struggle with it. And we probably will do it the day we die. But this is, abs- but this is absolutely necessary for us in order for God, true peace to flood our thoughts and our wills and our emotions. But why, you may ask, why do we really struggle with all this? Why? We like got lots of experience. We know what to do. We got knowledge. We got education. We got 
all everything everything put into place. If it goes wrong, we do this. But why? Because they're trouble we can't control. John 14, verse 1 through 4 said, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also me in my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. So after reading these verses, it's talking about heaven and talking about my father's house and, and one day we will be going to heaven for those of us that have put our faith and our trust in the Lord. We are going up there one day. We are going to the place that God has secured for us, a perfect place, a place of perfection. We guys have a secure future. Amen. We all should be saying amen. We have a secure future. And because of that, because of that, that gives up the perspective that, you know what, one day I am going to get through whatever problem I have. There's another side, like I brought up before. There's another side. The other side of trouble is peace, even in heaven. How many of you remember that phrase? Probably 15, 20 years ago, it was more popular. No Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus, you know peace. It's a catchy little phrase, but it has a lot of meaning. We can try to have peace outside of God. But it can only take us so far before we hit that wall. And many of you have been there, and I've been there. It's it like the parable of the wise man and the bullet man. Many of you have sung about the wise man building up the button rock, wise man building in Sunday school and all that. At least I did. And the rent came tumbling down. So and anyway, if you're building on the rock, if you're building on the rock, you can be sure that you can have true peace from the Prince of Peace. But if you're building on the sand, your balloon will pop. And I will drop this. So, Dave? If you think about it, the one who has no kind of faith in God or no relationship with God can't experience a peace like this. In fact, the Bible says they can't. Take a look at this one verse from the book of Isaiah, chapter 57, where the prophet says, The wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. See, for those who won't place their faith in the sovereign God of the universe, they are like the tossing sea, just always turbulent, back and forth, never fully at rest, never knowing what's happening, never feeling like anything's under control, never at peace. But the Christian, the, the follower of Christ, the believer, doesn't have to live like that. For those who know God and know this, this sovereign God of the universe, we can experience peace in a whole new way. 
one of our elders, Rick Splinter, shared this picture with me of a lighthouse. You ever go to the beach and you see a lighthouse and, and you see big tall ones or you see sometimes the little short ones and sometimes the ocean will come up and crash against the lighthouse and if it's a short one, sometimes those waves just billow over the white lighthouse and you think, wow, is that, maybe that's the end of that lighthouse. But sure enough, the, the, the ocean recedes and, and the lighthouse is still there. Now, if you look carefully at that picture, you will see a man, a human being, standing inside of there. You see him? Friends, that's a picture of the Christian who places their trust in God. See, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Now, it's not that the waves of life don't hit you. They do. It's that when they do hit you, they don't take you out because you're protected in the fortress of our God. This is the secret. This is what Paul found out. I have the secret to being content in whatever circumstances I find myself. This is what Spafford found out. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. So when my heart feels troubled, when your heart feels full of anxiety and worry, when your balloon pops, you have two choices. You can either listen to your heart or you can talk to your heart. If you're like me, your first instinct is to listen to your heart. When I start feeling worried, when I start feeling out of control, my heart starts talking to me. Dave, what if this happens? Dave, what if that happens? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And I can listen to my heart and my peace will get popped like a balloon. Or I can take the word of God from the son of God and I can talk to my heart and remind myself of what is true about the God that I serve and worship. And if I focus on, like Paul says, what is true and what is noble and what is right and what is praiseworthy and what is excellent, and if I focus my mind on those things, the things of the Lord, then the peace of God will come into my heart and soul. Now, you might need a brother or sister to help you get there, to pray together and remind each other of what's true about God. And and many times, Dave and I have served in that role for each other. Sometimes I come with no peace. Sometimes he comes with no peace. But together, we remind ourselves to focus our attention on our sovereign God who cares about us and who loves us. And think about who wrote these words. I'm always astounded by the resiliency of the Apostle Paul. Here he's been beaten, he's been betrayed, he's been left for dead. All the waves of life have hit this guy. But what he's saying here is it doesn't matter because my life is founded on the rock. And because I trust God, I can't be moved and the God of peace is with me. Friends, the same God of peace can be with you if you'll surrender your life to him. Dave? Yes. So not only do we have to believe that God is sovereign like David talking about, but we also must believe that God is love. And we know that in Romans 8, 28, in Romans 8, Romans 8, 28, sorry, um, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we know that, when we know nothing will separate us from God's love, we can then continue to practice the peace of God from the spirit of God. Well, Dave, that was powerful truth, truth that we should want to hold on to when the storms of life come, not if. And allow me to suggest one more thing, and that would be to stay. To stay connected to the vine. John 15 calls it abiding. Look at this verse. 
John 15, 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Spiritually speaking, apart from God, that not my words, apart from God, you and I can do nothing. Nothing. The concept of staying connected by abiding in the vine is very difficult even for us all as believers. But we can't give up trying. We can't give up the effort. That's where our part goes into. We have responsibility to listen and to obey and to follow the commands of the Bible. Stay connected. Abide. So this is that, but this is hard to do because we don't have control in how the Lord is pruning our lives. We don't have control. So God does things we don't like. At times we don't like. Oh, it's not a good time for this to happen. It's not a good time for the car to break down. We're going on vacation tomorrow. It's not a good time. But you know what? How can you have peace when it's not a good time for something to happen? It's never a good time for something bad to happen, I think. Um, But we had to stay connected. We had to abide. This is our work. Isaiah 23 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose minds are steadfast, because... They trust in themselves? No. They trust in you, not in yourself, not in your family, not in your job. Although that's important. That's very important to trust your job and to trust in that paycheck. But God is giving you the strength to work that job, or God is giving you that job opportunity. So you will be kept in perfect peace if your mind is grounded and trusting in the Lord. So here God has complete con- God had complete control. And the one with complete control can offer perfect peace. That's why I can't find perfect peace in myself. Because I don't have complete control. It's a simple fact. But for some reason, we don't get it. But, so, stay connected. Don't wander away. So the fruit of peace, just like all of the fruit of the Spirit, is always connected to faith in the gospel. The only effective remedy for a troubled heart is faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the lesson that I think Spafford learned After he got the news about his family and some time passed for him to grieve, 
as you know, he went on another boat trip to Europe and around that same spot wrote those beautiful words to that hymn. And if you listen to the hymn and look at what he wrote about, you'll discover how he found peace. In fact, most of that hymn is focused on the gospel. You ever listen to those words? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. What's that got to do with his tragedy? Why did that bring him peace? What has that got to do with his loss? The answer is that sometimes when you and I face storms, sometimes we have this thought that maybe God is punishing me. Maybe I have this storm because God is after me. Maybe I have this trial because God is condemning me for my sin. But Spafford said, wait a minute. It can't be that. Look at the cross. It can't be that God is punishing me. After all, Christ has already taken my punishment. Or sometimes when we face storms, we think, I'm facing this because God doesn't care. I'm facing this storm because God really doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. But Spafford said, you know, I don't know all the reasons for this tragedy, but I know it can't be that God doesn't care. After all, look at the cross. He sent his one and only son. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So we may not understand why all these storms in our lives come, but what we can know is it can't be that God is punishing us for our sins if we have faith in Christ because he's already taken that punishment. And it can't be that he doesn't care about us or love us because he sent his one and only son for us. And if we can understand the gospel of the Lord, then you and I can have peace. And you and I can say, along with Spafford, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and lead us in song, and Dave's going to close us out this morning. Yeah. Just take a minute or 30 seconds and kind of go over in your mind what we've been talking about today. This message that God had laid on both Dave and I heart, I believe it for everybody in this room this morning. We all have trouble, every one of us. So what do we do when we have trouble? Where's our perspective? Jesus has overcome the world. No matter what you're going through, don't forget to look at that cross. Don't forget. Don't forget. I'm reminding myself because I forget. I know I forget. When I get stressed out, I'm not thinking about that cross. I'm not thinking about my, my problem over here. I need an adjustment to say, okay, I got the problem. Look at the cross. Before the worship team sings up the chords, it's out. Sorry, we ran a little bit longer today. It's hard with two people speaking anointed by God. We hope you understand. But allow me to pray and watch you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for gifting Dave and I. I thank you for the word of God that you had 
worked in both of our hearts to compose this message today so that everyone can be blessed and hear it. But I pray for change. I pray that you will work in hearts. I don't know where people are today. I don't know the trouble that everyone in this room is facing, but you know what? I am full confident that the Lord Jesus Christ knows every single problem in this room, every single trouble. He knows every single tear that you have shed in your life. He will know every single tear that you will shed in the future. When trouble comes in the future, we don't even know. Help us, Lord, to remember the cross. Remember what you did for us. Remember that you have overcome the world. Remember that we will get through whatever trouble we're going through now. Remember that one day we can go to heaven. And trouble won't be there in heaven. Our balloon will never pop in heaven. So until we get to the heavenly gates, help us to apply the message that you have given to us today and to our unique situations and change us for the glory of God. Help us to know true peace from the Prince of Peace. I love you, God. I love encouraging the body of Christ. And I thank you for the day and for the lunch we will share together later. In your blessed name, I do pray with all God people. Amen.